Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about fighters fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. This week, we're talking all about UFC in Greenville, South Carolina. But, of course, as you know from this show before... We are only talking about the prelim portion of the card. And if you're new to the show, you're probably asking yourselves, why is it that they're only talking about the prelim portion? And that's because we know that you guys are knowledgeable UFC fans, knowledgeable MMA fans in general. You probably have already heard some breakdowns of Chan Sung Jung versus Hanato Moikano. You got your picks laid out for those. You've probably already made some parlays and whatnot. But you might not be as knowledgeable about the early fights on the card. That's right. We're here to help you get knowledgeable top to bottom on the card so that you are able to maybe do a little bit better on your gambling, maybe do a little bit better on your uh, daily fantasy sports picks because maybe you're sick of getting beat by not picking the right prelim fighters. Well, we are here for you. You're in the right place. And if you're really into daily fantasy sports, you need to check out bsmma.com. bsmma.com is the exclusive sponsor of the Prelim Primer, and they are giving you two free contests for UFC in Greenville this weekend. That's right. They're going to give you two free contests just for listening to our show. The first one, all you got to do is go to bsmma.com, sign up for their, their site, and you can just hit Enter. That's it. You're just going to enter into their free contest. You're going to win some free BS MMA apparel. The second one you get for just listening to this show, you're going to type in the promo code PRELIM4. That's right. PRELIM and then the number four. And you can win a $25 gift cards to Buffalo Wild Wings. You can enjoy the fights at Buffalo Wild Wings, win some money so that you can come back. And if that's not a good enough deal for you already... What you need to know about BSMMA.com is it's not your every other daily fantasy sports site for MMA because those other fantasy sports sites, they don't specialize in MMA. BSMMA is only about MMA. They're completely in on the MMA game. They, they don't want you to have to worry about losing on some arbitrary bullshit like how many strikes were landed in the fight. Instead, you're just going to pick the winner. You're going to pick how they win. You're going to pick the round, and then you're going to add a little bonus to it at the end, and then you're going to come out as a winner when you pick the winner. So that, that's how daily fantasy should be done for MMA and they're bringing it to you. So once again, check out bsmma.com. Get those picks in today. And to help you out on those picks on bsmma.com, I've enlisted the help of a knowledgeable co-host. You might know him as a contributing editor of Body Lock MMA. Plus, he has recently been picked up over at Flow Combat. You can check him out at Michael Fidel on Twitter. Michael Fidel, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely, my man. Very happy to be on the show. So glad we could get the times to work out this week. All right, and I am happy as well. We have got an exciting UFC Greenville card, so we're going to get right into round one. Let's put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start talking about Dan Ige versus Kevin Aguilar. Dan Ige is on a three-fight win streak with wins over Danny Henry, Jordan Griffin, and Mike Santiago with a submission, a decision, and a knockout in those. And that's all happened in the last 12 months alone. Kevin Aguilar is started in the UFC hot as well, 2-0 and in the UFC, 3-0 and if you count the contender series. He's beaten Rick Glenn and Enrique Barzolo. So here's my question for you, Michael. Takedowns, or at least working them into the discourse of the fight, seem to be the name of the game for Ige. Is that a plausible game plan against somebody like Aguilar? You know, I do think it is a plausible game plan. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, both guys are on very good tears right now. 
and both guys are extremely explosive. So I think for Ige, if he wants to negate the explosive stand-up of Kevin Aguilar, we saw it uh, in Aguilar's defense of the title against Han Lee, uh, takedowns could be the move here for Dan Ige. Yeah, I think takedowns could be the move of the fight too. Uh, but the only problem I have is is Enrique Barzola, who's who's Aguilar's last victory, attempted eight takedowns. And and do I think he's as good of a takedown artist as Danny Gay? I don't. But he went 0 for eight in those takedowns. Do you think Ige is that much better than Enrique Barzola? Well, that's definitely an interesting question. I think uh, Barzola he may not have the fan recognition of a guy like Ige, but he's definitely one of those grinders who fight in, fight out is pushing the pace and uh, putting uh, that kind of pace on a fighter. So for him to go 0-8 isn't necessarily a good sign for Ige, but I would say that I think Ige's hands are better than Barzola's to the point where he can use them to set up his takedowns or at least threaten on the feet to move to the ground. Yeah, I, I think that's plausible too. And like I mentioned before, he does have a KO victory, and he's looked good. Aguilar also looked good against Rick Glenn, though, who is a striker in his own right. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess where does this one come down? If this stays standing, do you think this is Dan Ige's fight? I mean, it, like you said, both guys are very talented on the feet. Aguilar as well with the performance against Glenn, which is a very difficult UFC debut for anyone. So he passed that test with flying colors. I think uh, Dan Ige's most recent win over Danny Henry should uh, allow this fight to bode well for him. He was explosive and dynamic in that fight, uh, hurting Henry on the feet, finishing the fight on the ground. And I think if he's able to be first in the exchanges and put together his combinations and land with the power that he has, uh, we could see dynamite manifest itself in the cage. All right, so I'm going to ask you for your official pick on this fight. You like Ige or Aguilar, and how do you like him getting it done? I'll take Dan Ige, and I think uh, the man with dynamite as his nickname also has dynamite in his hands. I think he'll drop Aguilar uh, maybe in the second round, but I think he'll finish it uh, like the Henry fight with submission. Wow, I'm going to go opposite of you, and it's very rare that I'm the first fight that I'm opposite of my co-host. I'm going with Kevin Aguilar here. I'm going with knockout, too. I think he's mm-hmm. got some heavy power, and I think it's, since he can negate the wrestling, this is going to be on his terms. Now, we got to get to our second fight of the first round. I got handsome Matt Wyman making his return to the UFC for the first time since 2014. He is 3-1 in his last four, but hasn't fought since then. He made his debut at UFC 60, for Christ's sakes. Uh, he's going to be fighting Luis Violent Ross Pena, who's 2-1 in the UFC with a win over Steve Peterson in his last bout, which was sort of that featherweight, although he didn't make weight there. How in the world do we project Matt Wyman? I have absolutely no idea. When this fight broke on Twitter, I thought it was a joke. Then I thought it was a troll. And then I thought I was getting really old and couldn't remember who was who because there was no way that Matt Wyman was going to be fighting. His last fight was 2014. Then I found out the fight was true. I believe Nolan and Marcel confirmed it. And those are two of the most trustworthy guys in the business. So I went with them and I started doing my research and my tape on Matt Wyman. I don't know what Matt Wyman's going to look like after five years going on six away from the sport. Uh, Dominic Cruz says ring, ring rust isn't real. Sorry, got a little tripped up on my R's there. But I don't know. I think Luis Pena might be too much for returning Matt Wyman. The only thing I will say is that I feel like Luis Pena's nightmare is a dude who's going to go in there and wrestle him up. And I think that the mm-hmm. Matt Wyman 
is sort of good at that kind of thing, right? Like, if you look back at some of his other wins, he fought Paul Sass, who is a crazy good submission specialist. And not only did he take him down, he also armbarred him from the top, which is pretty damn impressive. He took down Mac Danzig. He took down Isaac Valley Flag. Like, Matt Wyman is a grinder. If it's the same Matt Wyman as we saw all that time ago, do you think he wins? Yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, Again, you made some great points. And if it's the Matt Wyman of old... This could be a fight where he's able to shock the world, but I am hard-pressed to believe that it is the Matt Wyman of old. I hope for the division's sake, for Matt's sake, that that's not the case, and he looks just as good as he once did. I mean, he left on a very good streak. I believe it was 3-1 and one in his last four when he retired, or seemed to retire. I guess we don't know what happened there. But uh, if it's a 35-year-old Matt Wyman who hasn't fought in five years, we might see a Pena show versus the other way around. Absolutely, and we're getting to the end of the round one, so I have to ask you, what is your official prediction on this crazy-to-predict fight? I think violent Bob Ross will paint the picture, and it will sway the judges for a unanimous decision. Yeah, I like like Luis Pena here by decision, too. I think Matt Wyman, not Wat Wyman, Matt Wyman is just too much of a grinder to get taken out here, and that's going to do it for the end of round one. Uh, We are going to throw it over to our sponsors for a quick commercial break, and we'll be back soon with round two. I don't know about you guys, but when I watch the fights, I like to be joined by my friends. That's right. I like to get everybody in, surround me. We're going to watch these fights with a whole bunch of people in my house, maybe order some pizza, and we're going to talk shit to each other. That's right. We're going to talk shit to each other because that's what friends do when they're watching sports. And BSMMA.com actually comes from that concept. It's meant to be a companion for you guys while you watch your fights so that you and your friends can argue about who's better about it and settle it on the site. That's right. You can settle it on BSMMA.com because they have the create your own contest option where you can invite your friends to a private contest. You could set some stakes. Maybe you want to put some money down on it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just want it to be a free contest. BSMMA's got you handled there because they got all different kinds of payout options, all different kinds of options to pick who wins and how they win. You're going to want to check it out. BSMMA.com. Beat your friends today. Now, back to the show. And we are back with round two. We're going to have to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about the big boys. Alan Crowder is fighting Yair Rosenstreich in the heavyweight division. Rosenstreich is coming off a KO of Junior Albini in his UFC debut. Alan Crowder is 1-1, one one, but those that loss is to Justin Big Pretty Willis, and he beat Greg Hardy after beating up, up for a while and taking a DQ victory. Uh, I guess the gas tank, I think, is my biggest question in this fight. How do you think that comes into play here? Well, I think uh, the gas tank is a question that should be on people's minds. Uh, Alan Crowder, his gas tank was put on display because he was able to take Greg Hardy to deeper waters, win the majority of the fight, in my estimation, and then secure the win after Hardy's uh, illegal knee. And for Jair Rosenstrup, uh, it's a very interesting question because, as always, he is a heavyweight. He is large. He is going to be going in there with a striking background. And we saw him get tested a little bit in the Albini fight who Albini had absolutely no interest in standing with him. So whoever's gas tank wins out, I think we'll take this one. Yeah, and I think Alan Crowder's looked good against Hardy. Maybe not, like, pristine, right? Like, he's still a heavyweight guy. Rosenstreich's, I remember thinking to myself, he looks more tired than Albini. But the other question is, Rosenstreich is obviously a much better striker than, than Greg Hardy. 
can Crowder take the shots from Rosenstreak? Uh, I think in terms of whether or not he can take the shots, I think it's a very safe bet to assume uh, he, he'll be able to, given that although uh, Rosenstruck is a much better striker than Hardy, Hardy does have uncanny power, regardless of how you feel about him. So I think in terms of whether or not Crowder's chin will hold up from single shot strikes, I think the, the answer is yes. But uh, I do think that uh, Jair is going to be able to put together combinations that Hardy can only dream of at this stage in his career. So I think that will play a role in terms of tiring out and potentially finishing Crowder in uh, the second to third round. So it sounds like you're taking the biggie boy, Rosenstreak? Uh, yes, I am taking biggie boy. All right. Well, I'm going to go actually on the opposite side here, too. I- I've got faith here in Alan Crowder. I think his wrestling game is going to be surprisingly good. It's definitely better than Junior Albini's. I'm mm-hmm. going to take him in one of those really ugly-ass uh, heavyweight unanimous decisions. Uh, yep, the quintessential heavyweight fight. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about a fight that will be more exciting than a uh, quintessential heavyweight fight. Uh, the next one we got in round two here is Darren Wynn versus Bruno Silva. Darren Wynn, somewhat of an unknown, but he's 5-0 and in his UFC career, making his UFC debut. He's got heavy wrestling credentials, and he's recently coming off a victory over Tom Lawler in the Golden Boy MMA promotion. Uh, and then we got Bruno Silva also making his UFC debut, but with far more experience, 19-6. and He's the M1 middleweight champion, which he won over Artem Frolov, who is a pretty big favorite in that fight. Uh, so Silva has seen some real big competition over an M1. Win not so much, but does that wrestling that Win has negate all of that difference? Uh, like we've seen throughout MMA, uh, now 75% of UFC titles are held by wrestlers. Wrestling is the great equalizer. It allows a fighter to decide where the fight's going to go. And I think that uh, Duran Win's wrestling and the caliber of his wrestling is going to take him a very long way in MMA, as we've already seen with his young, burgeoning career. But I do think, like you said, Bruno Silva's been in there with some great guys. Artem Frolov, Alexander Slomenko, he's been in there with some of the best that Russia has to offer and emerged victorious. I mean, Slomenko was arguably beating Gegard Mousasi uh, in Mousasi's Bellator debut. So if you can beat the guy who might have beaten the guy, you're the guy. I think this is my favorite fight on the prelims. Obviously, Aguilar uh, and Ige is a, a fight between two really dynamic guys. But this fight between Wynn and Bruno Silva is amazing. I think it's also so interesting to me, too, because it's just one of those fights where we've got no clue, right? Deron Wynn could come out here and show the same wrestling as Daniel Cormier, his teammate. But right. he also could come out there and show, like, some very raw striking. Like, his striking looked okay against Tom Lawler, but not in a way that, like, really would make me scared of him. So in the same sense, like, Bruno Silva could see his striking and just be focused on the takedown defense. Do, do you think his striking is good enough to get him worried about it? Um, I'm not sure if his striking is enough. I mean, he did stand and trade with Tom Lawler, uh, who is a battle-tested veteran of the UFC, so that bodes well for him. But I think one of the biggest things in this fight is going to be the size difference. I mean, Bruno Silva's six foot, very large middleweight, um, and then Duran Wynn is five foot five. That's only an inch taller than Henry Cejudo, who's the flyweight champion. To give you uh, a better understanding of just how short that is for middleweight, uh, Max Holloway, the 45 champion, stands 5'10", 5'11". So uh, the, the reach and the height might be an issue for Wynn, especially if he's not able to get his wrestling going. I think Silva on the feet might be enough to do it. 
Yeah, and I'm leaning towards Silva, too. It sounds like you are as well. What's your official prediction for this one as round two rounds down? Um, you know, I mean, Silva has knockout wins. I believe 16 of his 19 pro wins are by knockout, and he's finished some of the uh, the best rush has to offer, as I said earlier. But I think Duran wins, got that uh, smaller squat wrestler chin. So I think uh, Bruno Silva by decision. Yeah, I'm going to take Bruno Silva as well, just because, like you said, the, the size difference, and I've seen him listed at 5'5", five, 5'7", five, five, you know, 5'8", depending on what website he lied to. Uh, but I, I'm taking Bruno Silva here as well, just because I think he's been stopping those Russian takedowns for long enough. I, I think he stops Der- Duran win here, and I think he probably wins by decision as well. So I'm going to agree with you on that one, and that's going to do it for round two. We are going to move to round three in just a moment. We'll take a breath on the stools. And we'll kick it over to our sponsors. BSMMA.com. Check them out today. Let me tell you something about them. The coolest part about their site is that they've got these cool power-up bonuses. Like I said before, earlier on the show, you don't want to lose the fight based on some arbitrary bullshit like, you know, wondering how many leg kicks somebody landed so that you get some extra points. That's not how you should win in daily fantasy sports for MMA. Maybe that's how you win in like football or baseball or something, but that's not how you should win in MMA. Instead, you pick the winners, and when you add these little bonuses, you're showing off that you can really predict stuff. For instance, if you think somebody is going to get their opponent out in two minutes or less, they think they can, you think they can knock them out or submit them in just two minutes, you throw the Cinderella bonus on, you're going to get 25 bonus points for predicting that correctly, and that shows you actually know something about MMA, right? You know, picking somebody who gets a lot of leg kicks, that's not really proving anything, right? And that, that could just be chance. This is proving that you really know it, and that's the cool thing about BSMMA.com. Check out all their cool bonuses, because let me tell you, it is very fun. Now, back to round three. And we are back for round three. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we got two more fights here to talk about. The first one is going to be Andre Ewell, who is fighting Anderson Dos Santos. Ewell took his UFC debut and beat Henan Burrell. That's right, Henan Burrell. But he didn't lose his second fight, which he lost to Nathaniel Wood, which is certainly no no shame right there on that fight. Uh, Anderson Dos Santos is coming off a loss in his UFC debut to Nad Naramani. Both of these guys seem to get, like, pressed up against the cage or overall outgrappled in their recent losses. It seems like this is probably more of a striker's fight here, which is, is probably good for both of them. But which one do you think this better favors? I think this better favors Andre Ewell. Like you said, uh, both guys can typically get pressed up against the cage or out-muscled in those kinds of clinch exchanges. But uh, if it's going to be contested on the feet, both guys do have that long-rangey striking. But Ewell is going to have a 4-inch reach advantage. He's 5'11". DeSantis is 5'7". And they'll have a 5-inch reach advantage on top of that, uh, 75 to 70. So I think if this plays out as a distant striking match, that'll favor Ewell. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And Yule has had some really good fights leading into this one, too. you got to remember, he's fought for some amazing promotions. He went into CES MMA in his debut and not only won a pretty good distance striking fight, but when the other fighter got sort of sick of his striking, which was Dennis Pavia, who's a, a pretty legit regional prospect in the Northeast, Ewell wound up with a Doris choke in there, too. So he's pretty crafty on the ground as well. He's got wins in LFA and King of the Cage and, and all kinds of good promotions. And, and I think his sort of 
his veteranness in this fight, if that is a word, carries him through. Because I think when he runs into a striker who can strike like him, he does just fine. And I don't see Dos Santos grappling him. So I'm leaning towards you on this one. How about you? Yeah, I think I am as well for largely the same reasons. He's been in there with some great guys. Uh, Patrick Mix, who's going to be fighting on Bellator's main card against Ben Dejas this upcoming weekend. Uh, Dennis Paiva. Um, he, he's been in there with some great guys. And I do think that even in his loss to Nathaniel Wood, we saw that UL does have the potential. And obviously the win over Henan Barrow is not the Henan Barrow of old, uh, not even close. But it is still Henan Barrow with the fight IQ and the veteran savvy of Henan Barrow. So I think that'll pay off and Ull can take this one uh, either by decision or maybe a third-round finish. Yeah, I like him with a late finish here as well. I'm going to take Ewell, uh by third round. We'll go with TKO. And that's right. going to bring us to our last fight, which is Ariane Lipsky, who made her UFC debut after an amazing run over in KSW. But in your UFC debut, got largely outgrappled by JoJo Calderwood, the new grappling JoJo Calderwood. Uh, right. And she's going to be fighting Molly McCann. Molly McCann, one and one in the UFC. She beat Priscilla Cachoeira, but did lose to Jillian Robertson before that. Lipsky was such a highly touted prospect when she walked in, but she got beat 30-26 in her UFC debut on most judges' scorecards. This seems like a big step down in competition for her, but where do you see this fight taking place? On the feet, on the mat? Well, I think this is definitely one of those style-make-fights type of fight uh, because Lipsky, as you said, incredible career over in KSW where she was the uh, flyweight champion, defended her belt multiple times, and she has that kind of Brazilian Muay Thai where she's able to stand trade with just about anyone in the division. But as we saw in her uh, UFC debut, she does struggle when she's taken down uh, typically by a larger competitor, which Molly McCann will be. She will have uh, likely the weight advantage um, and she will go in there with the intention of getting this fight to the ground. So it's going to be a, ba- a battle of who wins out. If the fight stands, stays on the feet, this is Lipsky's fight to lose. But if the fight goes to the ground, McCann can make this a dogfight, make it dirty in the clinch. And uh, if it goes to the ground, I think McCann might even get a finish. Yeah, and I, I like that what you're saying there, too, about Molly McCann. My only worry for her, if, if I was game planning for her, my only worry for her is that sometimes she just falls in love with her striking way too much. Right. Her, shots, her shots start being really winging. You know, like she throws really wide hooks and stuff like that without covering up quite as much as she ought to. And that worries me, like you said, with with a striker at the style of Lipsky. And I think, and I could be wrong, I think if she does that, it she winds up getting burned on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. If she decides to stand with Lipsky, uh, she's gonna, she might feel the wrath of the violence queen. Absolutely. So we're just about to the end of round three. We got about 10 seconds left. So I am going to throw it to you for your official prediction on our very last fight. Do you like Lipsky or McCann in this one? I'll take Lipsky third round TKO. Oh, wow. TKO in a women's flyweight fight. We don't see that very often unless it's a title fight, of course. I'm going to take Lipsky by decision in this one. Uh, So I'm going to agree with you, but also slightly disagree with you. And that's going to do it for all six of the fights we got in the prelims. The third round is officially over. I want to throw it over to my co-host, Michael Fidel. Thank you so much for being on. Make sure to follow all of his work at The Body Lock and flow combat now he's also on flow combat so make sure you check out all this stuff there michael thank you so much for the time thank you for having me man i really appreciate it and hopefully uh we can get some uh some more people a little bit more knowledgeably about the uh the prelim fights